0: Perfectionism interferes with everything that I do because I don't know what good enough really looks like or feels like and that's why I'm in therapy. Welcome to your social anxiety bestie. I'm Sadie and I'm here to share the truth about what it's like to live with social anxiety disorder. I was diagnosed with severe social anxiety and perfectionism in 2018 And since then, I've been nerding out on all things anxiety and healing. My goal is to help you feel less alone and give you tips to face your own social fears wherever you are on your journey. I hope today's episode reminds you that even though social anxiety is lonely, you are not alone. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello! I want to talk to you about my perfectionism therapy today. I know I talked about it a little bit in previous episodes. I had planned to keep you guys a lot more up to date week by week on the therapy, but it has ended up being a lot more draining and emotionally taxing than I expected. Um, I kind of went into this thinking that it would be more of an intellectual and learning exercise than anything emotional. I think I underestimated how much anxiety is wrapped in with perfectionism and in my case, how much social anxiety is wrapped in with perfectionism. Um, Because a a lot of times if you have social anxiety, there's a chance that you will also have perfectionism, at least that's what I was told. Because if we're so, so worried about being judged, criticized, rejected by other people as in social anxiety, then you can kind of see how that could bleed over into trying to be perfect, trying to be perfectionistic in how you interact with the world. And in my case, that's how it works. So in case this is your first episode, well, first, if this is your first episode, hello, welcome. I'm super happy that you're here, and I hope you like the episode today. I am in a 10-week virtual group therapy program. It's CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and I'll explain what that means in a sec. The program I'm in is offered through the local hospital where I live, and I had to have a referral from my doctor. I had the referral. I was already in the, in the system for this anxiety research and treatment center because I had done social anxiety therapy with them in 2018. So that was my initial referral. And then they did the assessment process. I got my diagnoses. Among those diagnoses were social anxiety and perfectionism. So first I did social anxiety because that's like a level one CBT. And then once I had done that, it made me eligible to do like a second level CBT for something like perfectionism. Another option that was suggested to me was a CBT group for assertiveness. And I could use assertiveness training, but I don't think I I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I can handle it because the exposures that I had to do in social anxiety therapy, like near the end, it was getting to the point where I didn't think I could keep going with some of the exposures I had to do. So yeah. Someday I could look at assertiveness therapy perhaps, but for now it's perfectionism. Anyway, it's covered by my provincial health insurance. I'm super lucky. I live in Canada and I don't know if it's it's free just as part of our healthcare or if it's because it's a teaching hospital. I haven't looked into it. I've, I keep forgetting to look into it, to be honest. But anyway, I recognize how lucky I am to be able to access this kind of therapy, basically for free. And that's one of the reasons why I want to do episodes on it, because I know that not everyone has access to therapy like this. If I had to pay out of pocket, I don't think I would be, I could not afford it. I don't know what it would cost, but I wouldn't be able to afford it. I know therapy is expensive. So I thought, you know, I'm not a therapist myself, but I could at least talk about the therapy that I'm doing because maybe that's maybe that's the only access that you have right now maybe you don't have programs like this where you live maybe you can't afford it if it's not free maybe you're not ready maybe you like you can't fit it in your schedule any number of reasons i feel like this is sort of my way of paying it forward <laughs> and trying to share as much as i can about my therapy experiences so that's the spirit that i'm coming to you in not as an expert Um, I will try not to say anything that is incorrect, but just remember that I'm not a therapist. Like, I'm a patient. I'm a very nerdy, overthinky patient, but I'm not an expert. So that's my disclaimer. (laughs) Okay. What is cognitive behavioral therapy? Cognitive behavioral therapy is a form of therapy that looks at how your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors interact. It looks at the relationship between those three things. Like if you picture a triangle and the theory is, or the thinking is that by changing one of those components, whether it's thoughts or feelings or behaviors, you can start to see change in other areas too. And this program that I'm doing and the social anxiety program that I did were both structured similarly. Um, This one's a 10 week. The social anxiety was a 12 week But in both cases, for basically the first half of the program, it's cognitive. So we've been looking at thoughts. How does social anxiety or perfectionism, like what does that look like in terms of thoughts? So you you get things like perfectionistic thinking styles, cognitive distortions. I did an episode on cognitive distortions earlier in the podcast. Ways of doing cognitive restructuring. So like reframing the way that you think to make it healthier. So that's the cognitive component. And then the second half of the program is behavioral. And that's when you get into exposure therapy. And I will do an episode like this. Today's episode is just going to be on the first half. I'm going to talk about cognitive because that's the part of therapy I've done in this program so far. But exposure therapy, it's like slowly inoculating yourself against anxiety with low doses of whatever triggers you. So putting yourself in anxiety provoking situations so that you're slowly stretching your comfort zone and then you can tolerate the feelings and you deal with the the thoughts that come up when you put yourself in those situations. So for example, this, this week I had to call a pizza store and ask how many different types of pepperoni they carry. Um, and that was to practice making a mistake or sounding foolish in front of someone by asking a silly question. And it was very triggering for me, but more because I had to make a phone call because I don't like phone calls. If you listen to the phone anxiety episode, you'll you'll know this. And I know a lot of you guys relate to that. I know that there's a lot of you guys listening that do not like the phone. So I feel you on that. Anyway, I will save exposure and behavioral stuff for another episode. Today, I wanted to share the five five of the main things I've learned so far in my therapy program for perfectionism. Okay, so number one, the first thing I've learned is that there are three types of perfectionism. I guess I should back up and give you guys the definition of perfectionism according to my therapy. Perfectionism is the tendency to hold excessively high standards for performance and to view anything short of perfect as unacceptable. And I will talk about um in number two, we'll talk about how perfectionism is not always bad. But for now, number one, three types of perfectionism. So there's self-oriented perfectionism, which is when you hold yourself to very high standards. So I do that. that I identify with that one. Then the second type is other-oriented perfectionism. And that's when you hold very high standards for other people. I relate to this. Less except in terms of trying to like control or filter the behavior of my kids or husband in public because I get anxious if they're being like loud or crazy. I used to do it a lot more, but now that I'm aware of it, I try not to do it because I feel like it's not fair to them. Like it it doesn't come from a place of wanting to control them for the sake of it. It comes from a place of anxiety, but I'm working on it. And then the last type is socially prescribed perfectionism and that's believing that other people have very high standards of you. So that one is also me. Um, Feel free to message me. I'm curious to hear which one of these you identify with. It is normal for all three to be present in a person. So if you said yes to all three, that's normal too. The second thing I've learned is that perfectionism can be adaptive, or maladaptive. Adaptive perfectionism looks like setting high standards, but the standards are realistic and achievable. Or your accomplishments actually bring you a sense of satisfaction when you achieve them. Or if if it helps you pursue goals that are important to you, that's good. Stand, if standards can't be reached, um, you're able to adjust appropriately You have some flexibility in terms of how you approach a situation, and it does not cause significant problems for the individual. Now, maladaptive perfectionism looks more like setting high or rigid standards that are unrealistic and unachievable. When accomplishments are reached, even if satisfaction is present, it is short-lived, and the individual quickly moves on to setting even higher goals and expectations. Goals become more attainable, more unattainable over time and eventually become impossible to reach. It's driven by a fear of failure rather than a desire to accomplish things that are important or valued. And the only way to feel good about yourself is if you meet all of the high standards you set for yourself. That's maladaptive perfectionism. And if you were listening, listening along and, and checking them off mentally in your head, I'm with you. I checked off all of them. Um, (laughs) That's why I'm in therapy. It surfaces in my life as a mom. It surfaces in my work as an editor. It surfaces like when I'm doing podcasting, everything. It's just always there. It's like a con, it's like a mirage. This idea of perfection is a mirage because when you get closer to it, you realize that it's not actually a real thing. It just, it's like a constantly moving bar. You get close and then it just moves higher. You can never reach it. To me, that's maladaptive perfectionism. Okay, so number three, I learned I've learned so far that there are five perfectionistic thinking styles. So a thinking style is uh, another term that you may have heard for that is a cognitive distortion or a thought trap. It's like a filter. It's it filters the way that you perceive the world or the way that you think about things. Perfectionism can skew the way that you think. So the thinking styles that we looked at are interpersonal sensitivity, and that means having an extreme need for approval from others. We also saw excessively rigid standards and inflexibility, and that means having difficulty shifting expectations and standards, even if that would be helpful. You know, you go to the gym twice, but because you didn't go five times, you feel like a failure. Another thinking style is over-responsibility, and excessive need for control. And that one is thinking that you have more control than you probably do, and the resulting sense of responsibility and urge to try and control situations. For example, I'm completely responsible for how my kids behave, or I can control whether other people like me by being careful about what I say. Another one is difficulty trusting others. So having trouble delegating tasks and watching others closely when they're completing tasks. Um, I have trouble with this one when it it comes to like letting other people look after my kids. (laughs) Although sometimes it's a relief to have other people be able to do a thing for me, like having someone else load the dishwasher for me. I have no problem. Uh, Maybe I have a little bit of a problem with that. I don't know, but less. The last one is inappropriate social comparisons. That's comparing yourself frequently to others, especially people who you think are doing better than you on something that's important to you. This is why i had to stop watching most mommy youtubers like youtube channels that share mommy tips and mom life um inevitably i ended up feeling inadequate by comparison so i follow like one now that i feel because i feel like she's real number four is six cognitive distortions or thinking styles that are more general more generally related to anxiety and depression but that can show up in people with perfectionism. And I'm going to go through kind of quickly because I talked about them in the cognitive distortions episode already. Um, I'll just, I'll write down in the show, in the description, what episode that is. But those are probability overestimation, which means thinking that a negative event is more likely to occur than it is. Catastrophizing, that's like the worst case scenario, snowball effect one all or nothing thinking, mind reading, should statements, and filtering. I kind of feel like these could all be their own individual episodes. I hope I'm not blowing through this too quickly for you. Let me know. The last thing I wanted to share, number five, is something that I find I found fascinating when I learned it, and that is common perfectionistic behaviors and how they're actually broken down into two categories. Because I think, at least for me, Before I was diagnosed with perfectionism, I never would have thought of myself as a perfectionist. I think of a perfectionist as like Monica Geller from Friends, someone who's hyper-organized, like loves to clean and just things have to be perfect. Um, And that can be, she could very well be a perfectionist, but there's another kind of perfectionism. So that's what I wanted to tell you about. The behaviors that I think are most commonly associated with perfectionism are called excessive behaviors. So things like not knowing when to quit, excessive checking, reassurance seeking, overcompensating, excessive organizing and list making, failure to delegate, doing things painfully slow and meticulously. Those are the excessive behaviors. And I do some of them. But what I really do is the avoidance behaviors. And I think people don't realize that this can be part of perfectionism. Avoidance behaviors are things like procrastination, avoidance, difficulty making decisions. So that's like analysis paralysis and giving up too soon. When I saw this list, I was like, oh, that's why I have, that's why I was diagnosed with perfectionism. I will postpone doing something. Like it's hard for me to get started on something if I can't think of the perfect way to do it. Or I don't get started, but then I'm in a rush to finish it, or I'll avoid things, or I just get caught in this an overthinking loop. Like, that is my perfectionism. So those are the five main things I've learned. I feel like I could go more deeply into the thinking styles, the cognitive distortions ones, and associated with that, they taught us techniques to reframe those thinking traps. Um, which I think I should probably talk more about. I feel like I should give you guys some actual tools rather than just information. And the other stuff that we've learned that I didn't cover today are there was a session on self-worth, broadening areas of self-worth as a way to reduce perfectionism. And there was a whole session on self-compassion, which was surprising to me. Um, But I also found very interesting so there's lots of lots of content ideas there. Please reach out to me, send me a DM if you found this interesting. Do you identify with perfectionism? Does that show up within social anxiety for you? Let me know. Honestly, I'm just generally curious to know more about you. I can see that the audience is slowly growing. I can see that like we're approaching 3000 listens now, which is amazing. So I want to know, like do you listen because you have social anxiety or do you identify more as just being shy? Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Tell me about you. I want to know. I want to, I, want, I want to make these episodes as value-packed as possible. Please remember that if you recognize yourself in the perfectionism stuff that I talked about today, don't let all or nothing thinking take over and think that like, you're broken and bad and there's so much that needs fixing that's that's just not true. Nobody is perfect. And these are just techniques to try to reduce distress and help you live a better life and feel better. Um, but they don't say anything about you as a person because you are wonderful. And the fact that you're listening to a mental health podcast shows how much you're willing to put in to feel better and feel less alone. So Don't let your inner voice tear you down. Give yourself a pat on the back from me. And that is all for now. Stick around after the outro and I will tell you about the Instagram live I just did. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and I hope you found it helpful. Anxiety thrives on avoidance and we can take back our power by just showing up like you did today remember that you're probably underestimating how strong and wonderful you are. And you're probably overestimating how perfect and put together other people are. So show up scared, show up imperfect, just show up. And while you're at it, come find me on Instagram at your social anxiety bestie. So we can be awkward together. All right. Earlier today, I went live on Instagram by myself for the first time. And it went well. I think about seven people came on and chatted with me, asked questions. Um, I know that a couple of listeners came on because one of you said that you liked the phone anxiety episode, which made my day. And I can see myself doing that again. It actually felt like hanging out because, you know, usually what I do on Instagram stories, for example, or here in the podcast, I'm talking and putting content out, but it's not in real time. I guess stories are sort of in real time, but there's no back and forth. Like I can't, I don't actually get your reactions in real time. That actually felt like hanging out with you. And I really liked that. So yeah, keep an eye out if that interests you. I'm going to, I think I'm going to try to do it maybe once a week or something like that, unless I get a complete social anxiety flare up again, and then I'll go into hiding, and then you'll never see me for another month. But then I'll come back. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. And hang in there. You are not alone. And I'll catch you next week.